podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League preview. Following the first loss of the season and the end of the unbeaten run, of course, and an indifferent night at Molyneux that saw the Reds bow out of the FA Cup. On this week's pod, we'll be focusing on the business fixtures that lie ahead in the Premier League. Next on the list, a trip to the seaside as the Reds take on Brighton. So, on the pod this week, I'm joined by lecturer on football finance at the University of Liverpool, Kieran Maguire, and a regular on the pod, AI contributor, Sam Evans. So, very pleased to be speaking with Kieran again about Brighton um, as we approach Saturday's fixture, of course, and um, after three wins and a draw in December, and uh, their first win over Bournemouth in over a decade, can you believe, this past weekend. Uh, Brighton fans starting 2019 in good spirits and relatively renewed confidence as they sort of await the uh, the arrival of the league leaders still, of course, on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, Kieran, great to speak to you as always, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, sort of a mixed December in the end for Brighton, but um, some really positive moments in amongst some of the fixtures that you play. I mean, what did you make of sort of the team's performances as they sort of wrapped up? 2018. Um, it, it, as you said, Harry, it was very much a mixed bag. Um, I think we were very disappointed to lose to Burnley and Cardiff. Uh, and then things started to, to pick up. Uh, the, the, the draw against Arsenal, we, we played well. Um, the, the win against Everton was, was excellent. Um, and and to, to go to West Ham and be disappointed with only a point is, is, is a sign of the progress that's been made. Um, and to top that all with, a, with an excellent FA Cup victory. On Saturday, I, th- I think uh, if, if you spoke to any Albion fan at present and asked them their mojo, I think you know, most people will be eight out of ten, and uh, we're, we're not in the relegation zone, and, and that ultimately has got to be our ambition for the next, uh, you know, two or three years, and, and then hopefully, sort of, with the the nature of being able to have you know five or six windows where we'll be able to where we've been able to recruit players of Premier League quality, we might be able to to push more onto mid table from there. No, of course, yeah, that, that, that's got to be the priority. But, I mean, I mean you mentioned sort of the inconsistency that you saw throughout December. I mean, there, there were some really strong results in, a, in amongst some ones that were obviously more disappointing. I mean, what do, you, what, what do you put that inconsistency down to? Because, of course, I mean, even if we look at that fixture against West Ham where you were, you know, 2-0 up and actually end up drawing the game, um, which is quite rare, I guess, for... Um, if, if you think about Chris Hewton's side and think about what, one of the general traits that you'd associate with Hewton's side in terms of being defensively well organised, I mean, what what do you sort of put that inconsistency down to in uh, in December? Well, uh, we've we've been hit this season where we where we weren't last season with suspensions and injuries. Um, so his has been out for a long time, and Donny's only just come into the side. Uh, Duffy was sent off, uh, Dale Stevens was sent off, uh, Lewis Dunk's been sent off. So having that, um, where, where you've got a, a relatively limited squad of high-quality players, is going to impact upon a team, uh, and uh, therefore it puts pressure on the remaining players to, to put in sort of you know, eight and nine out of ten performances um, to, to fill in the gaps from the players that are missing. And, and we, we're not strong enough to do that. Uh, the match match we had at Burnley was one of the worst 90 minutes of football I've seen in my life. Uh, it was just dour, lower league football masquerading as a Premier League 
But then if you look at the two squads, that that's the nature of the players who were involved at the time. Uh, but, but Burnley took their chance. We didn't take ours. And, and that's the result. And what we are seeing is that very much in terms of results, it, it's fine margins. You know, we're, we're not thumping teams or being thumped. And it's a case of who takes their chances on the day. Uh, we, we, it has been good to see a sort of a change in the, the, the format of, of the, the setup from Chris Hewton. It's become slightly more expansive. Instead of 4 4 1 1, we're playing more of a 4 3 3 style these days. Which, uh, which does give us more opportunities going forwards, but also makes us more vulnerable on the counter-attack. I mean, what do you think was the, behind that approach? Because obviously he's been a manager that has typically stuck to his approach, and, it, and of course it's, it, it's borne fruit for him on, on, on many occasions. And um, as you mentioned at, at the start of the pod, securing sort of safety in this division is, is paramount for you guys in this second successive season in the uh, in the Premier League, what, what you're aiming to secure anyway. I mean, there were those three losses in mid-December, I mean, um, that you mentioned were very disappointing, but they've been followed by more encouraging results. I mean, was there sort of a general acceptance that um, you, you needed to start playing a more, taking more risks in the football you were playing to actually get the points on the board because of these encounters that you mentioned were so tight that you needed to try and you know, uh, add more creativity into the team? I think that was a contributory factor. Also, the fact that we, we've had to rearrange the team last year. We, we, I could have named you the, the starting 11 for every match you know, on, on a Wednesday before the Saturday. And, and this season, there's, there's far less certainty because um, there is more competition for places. But as some players have lost form, um, the ones who have come in uh, to replace them have proven to be uh, match winners. So we, we've got uh, Jürgen Lacadia, who, who after the the Burnley defeat where he, he missed a last minute header from four yards out. I think most Brighton fans would have quite happily given him, give him a flight back to, to Holland. Himself uh, in new position. He's no longer playing as a centre forward. He's now playing as a, as a, as a wide left player and he's been superb. And it's, it's sometimes it's one player finding a bit of form um, and also having the ability to bring on from the bench players of, of high calibre as well. Um, that's made a difference. Um, and what we have seen is that also that some of the players who were signed in the summer who weren't getting a game initially under Hewton have come in and they've, they've upped their game and they've proven to be very successful. Um, and on the back of that, we're now on a, on a reasonably good run. Although, you know, with, with Liverpool on Saturday followed by uh, a match at Old Trafford the following week, we, we're not expecting much this month. And of course, tougher games. Uh, but you mentioned those, um, those summer signings who come in and made an impact. I mean, obviously, um, is it Jahan Baksh has been injured for is it ten or eleven games now? It seems to be, but is it Basuma and Andone? I, I just want to ask you what you made of their impact since signing, and um, on Lacadia as well. Um, you, you mentioned yourself sort of this this drought that he was on. I mean, up, up until the last few games. I mean, um, that simple switch of position seems to have given him newfound confidence. And, and why do you think it took so long for him to sort of? Uh, Settle into the league. Um, I, I think that the style of football that, that we played probably didn't suit him. Yeah, we, we are a sort of a, a very conventional English football team, and by his own admission, he's not very good at heading the ball. So, to, to fill Glenn Murray's shoes, which what what, what, ah, yeah. what he was effectively asked to do, Glenn Murray is is as much a number nine as you could possibly get. Um, simply wasn't appropriate for for Lacadia, and he looked like a fish out of water. But now he he seems to have. Uh, found an ideal position for himself 
His his ball control's good. His distribution is excellent. Um, and and he's got a reasonable turn off pace for him for a big man. So so he's scored a couple of goals, and that that's been fantastic. Um, Bisuma can be our best and our worst player in the same match, and it, it's you know, it's the nature of having a, a young player uh, who is very keen to impress. He's strong. He's powerful. He's he's willing to take on um, and and dribble, which is unusual for a midfield player. But that also means he gets caught in possession. Uh, so he's. Uh, he, he he's given certainly competition for places for for Steve Stevens and proper, um, and we've also now got two excellent fullbacks. Whereas last year Bruno was you know he's, he's 38 years old, he's he's the club captain and and he and he's loved to bits in, in Brighton, but his you know, his pace isn't superb. Uh, but uh, Martin Montoya, who, who we've you know ex, I never thought that Brighton would be recruiting players ex of Barcelona, um, is is a very competent right back. Um, and, and Bernardo, the lad that we've signed from Germany, the, the, the Brazilian fullback is, is probably pushing for our player of the month in December. He was, uh, he, he's, he's been excellent and, uh, left back has been a problem position for us since, since promotion, but that's, it's very much, he's very much first choice now. Well, it's excellent to see. I mean, and, uh, just looking at sort of the result against, um, against Bournemouth, I know would, Certainly, have pleased many, many Brighton fans um, in, in in particular. And, and looking at the performance there and the goals scored, so that I think it was Nakab, Basuma, and Andone there. I mean, in terms of sort of the latter two linking up um, and you know, providing firepower for the rest of the season. I mean, that jinx that you've had against Bournemouth, um, and um, I mean, do you think putting that to rest finally is going to give you even more confidence going into the remaining fixtures? Um, or do you think it was uh, a game that you didn't start too well by sort of Hewton's own admission, but then you sort of you know, came into it and defensive errors gave you the uh, gave you the advantage? It, it was a it was a good performance from from a second string eleven, um, but at the same time, last season probably eight of those players would have started regularly in the Premier League. Um, so so I think it's it's a sign that as a club. We have, we no longer have a, a decent 16. We've probably got a decent 19 or 20 players, which you need at this level. Um, especially in, in a month such as December where, where there's seven fixtures. So I think that was a contributory factor last season. We would have run out of, we'd have run out of energy, um, earlier in, in that sort of, uh, high intensive, uh, period of, of games coming thick and fast after one another. Um, so that's, that, that's encouraging. It's, from my point of view, I, I absolutely loathe Bournemouth, and it's an absolute, you know, from, it's, it's a huge delight to have, uh, <laughs> to have beaten them. I've, I've been to uh, be a bit out Bournemouth, but I, I think they play an excellent game as a rule. But it does leave them um, open to uh, open to conceding goals, and, and that's what we do. We, I don't think they defended necessarily badly. I, I thought we just took our goals, we worked them fairly smartly, um, and uh, you know, when, when we got a sight of goal, we took it. Well, of course, and. I mean, would you would you imagine that Basuma and Andoni are going to be coming into the the first eleven then for the game against Liverpool this weekend? No, I I would expect Glenn Murray to start as centre forward, um, and I would expect the midfield central pairing to be uh, Proper and Stevens. Uh, Basuma did play at Anfield, and and it was his error that was responsible for the goal where where Mo Salah uh, put it away. Um, 
Hewton, Chris Hewton, he, he is a cautious manager. We, we know exactly where we stand with Chris and, you know, he, he is risk averse. And with, with that in mind, I, I think he will play the, the, the normal two uh, of Proper and Stevens, who have been excellent in recent games, the way they've linked up together. Um, and Doni will probably Glenn after 70 minutes. Yeah, that's sort of our standard substitution. Um, unless, yeah, we, if, if, if by, by some miracle we're, we're leading, in which case Glenn might stay on for a bit longer because he's, he's our first line of defense as well as our, our token pole up front. And in terms of sort of the, the January window, uh, is there any expectation around any signings coming in or is there the need for any sort of signings in, a, in any, any particular position? You seem, seem to be fairly well stocked and, in some of the areas you mentioned were weaknesses last time round. Um, are there, is there any expectation that there'll be any movement this month for you? Um, I, I don't think we're expecting much to happen. Um, I, th- I think it was questionable at the start of the season whether Glenn Murray would, would survive a full season in the Premier League. Um, but he's, he's the same as ever. I know that we were interested in Dominic Solanke. Um, and, and there was talk of uh, trying to sign him on a permanent basis, but clearly he's gone to Bournemouth. Um, I, I'm not sure that we would necessarily would have, would have paid the fee that they paid, but uh, I, I would be surprised if we if there'll be players coming in. I can see players going out, some of the fringe players and and some of the academy players might go out on loan, but uh, there, there's no expectation amongst the fan base that uh, a we need to sign or, or b that we will sign anybody this this January, um, and probably wait until. Instead, I know the chairman's historically said he feels that there's more value in the market in the summer uh, because if you're buying in January, often it's it's from a position of desperation. Yeah, I, I do expect it to be a fairly quiet window. Actually, to be honest, just just generally, to be honest, I, I'm not expecting much movement from many of the top sides either. I, I don't think there's there's huge value at the moment. It seems to be, although there do seem to be quite a few players actually leaving. Um, yeah, to, to move around Europe, but. Um, in terms of one one play, you will be without then, I think, for um, majority of January, unless I'm sort of um, misunderstanding here. Is it, is it Matt Ryan's gone off on, on, on international duty? That's correct. He's he's in the Asian Cup, so he's he's missed the last two games. Um, you know, there's, there's been lots of people scratching their head as to how how Spurs have managed to keep Son uh, at Wembley. Uh, where we, we we lost Matty on uh, on the day after Boxing Day, um, he he is a superb goalkeeper, probably the best goalkeeper outside of the top six in in, in our view. Uh, he's immensely popular within the fan base as well because he's just a great all round bloke. At the, at the end of games, he he normally comes to one of the stands and you know where all the other players have traipsed off, he's there signing autographs, giving his gloves away. Um, he's uh, he's he's immensely popular and he's. His goalkeeping has improved and improved. His only weakness, perhaps, is in is in punching and uh, taking crosses out by that particular method. But as a shop stopper, he's he's fantastic. Uh, he 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 earned us a point when we played against Arsenal with a couple of superb saves from Obangian. And uh, you know we we're, we're fortunate to have him for, for the price that we paid, which was five million. He's he's proven to be an absolute bargain. And who's come in to, sort of to replace him? Well, we, we've got we we signed two goalkeepers during the summer. Yeah. We've got David Button from Fulham, who was he played about half the games for Fulham, I think, last season. Um, and he he played against Everton, kept a clean sheet, which was you know, we we're all delighted about. 
And then we've also signed Jason Steele, who you, you might be familiar with if you've seen the Netflix documentary Sunderland Till I Die. Um, he was, uh, he, he was released from his contract, I think, from Sunderland. Um, and we've snapped it up and he, he again w- provided a couple of excellent saves on Saturday, uh, against Bournemouth. I think that his, uh, his confidence has been destroyed through his, experience at Sunderland there was clearly something toxic taking place there and not not only for him but for for the whole squad um so there there is competition I think the full anticipation is that once Matty's back he'll, he will be first choice again but it, it is good to have a backup who who you've got a bit of faith in you know historically it's, it's always nervous when a reserve goalkeeper um dons the gloves you're never quite sure what you can letting yourself in for yeah of course and there's always concern about whether it's going to be answered unsettling the back four as well. Um, but it sounds as though the the players who have come and haven't sort of had too much of an unsettling effect um, so far anyway. But I mean, uh, another question I wanted to ask as well was just, um, you mentioned Basuma um, earlier on and how he was um, he was at fault for the goal at Anfield earlier in the season. And it was a much tighter game. I think many would have perhaps initially expected when they looked at the game. But And you could see from the off exactly what sort of Hughton had set you up to do in terms of not taking any risks whatsoever to leave yourselves in positions where you could be pressed high up the pitch and then you know, those errors could be punished quickly. Um, in fact, I, I don't think you even guys, uh, I don't, don't think you guys actually allowed us very many more chances aside from the one that led to the goal in the end. Um, how would you expect him to approach this game on 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 the weekend then? I mean, do you think it's going to be a very similar approach in terms of sort of trying to limit any um, opportunities for us to to counter press, or do you think this more expansive approach that you've, you mentioned in, in, in recent weeks, four three three, would be? Um, do you think he's going to stick with that, or or revert to a more conservative approach, just based upon the strengths um, of the uh, of the attack that we that we've got at the moment? I, I think he would he would like to play four three three, but the the two wide players will drop back, so it's, it'll be more four five one. Uh, occasionally Gross will push a little bit f- further forwards, but Gross has had a very poor season this year. Uh, he's, he's done very little for us. Sadly. He's, he's been injured and, and when he's come back, he's, he's not looked fully, uh, fully fit. Um, I, I think it'd be a very tough game for us in, in many respects. I think the Albion are the ideal opposition for a club such as Liverpool to play against in that we have, uh, very old school defense, you know, two big center halves, two sort of, you know, Two two fullbacks who like to bomb on, but that they will they will carry out their instructions, and their instructions on Saturday will be, for heaven's sake, don't let Liverpool's, you know, don't let Liverpool go three on three uh, with with our lads at the back. So I can't see us us pushing forward particularly there. Um, last season at the Amex, I think Philip Coutinho gave the best performance by an individual player that any of us saw, with, with the possible exception of Eden Hazard. He was just unstoppable is sometimes you just see players where where they're not actually on the on the pitch you know that they're actually floating six six inches above the ground yeah. and, and controlling the ball and uh, I, I know Dale Stevens our midfield player said that uh, he was absolutely delighted that Coutinho was going to Barcelona because he spent 90 minutes staring at the back of his shirt um, and and that that was the general perception and th- there was there was no bad feeling about the result last season because we were beaten by a side who were exceptionally good um, I, th- I think the change between last season and this season in terms of Liverpool is that Liverpool have tightened up their defence so much more. 
whereby whilst we lost 4-1 at the Amex, we, we still felt that we could get two or three goals towards the end of the match. Um, if, if we go one down on Saturday, it's game over. Yeah, it does certainly seem to be the change that the most people have noticed about how we're playing at the moment. Much more controlled, controlled chaos than it sort of the, uh, unbridled chaos that we saw at times, I think, in, <laughs> in, 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 in previous years. Now we can seem to turn it on and off, which is, which is quite good, of course. And, and you'd imagine, I think, as well, that Liverpool coming off that, um, that loss to, uh, to City, first loss of the season, they'll be looking to sort of try and get back on track as quickly as possible, you'd imagine. But, um, uh, in terms of where you think you could, you, you could potentially get joy then, you, you're, you mentioned that Glenn Murray would be, would be the likely option up top. Um, I remember sort of the approach you took Anfield in terms of being conservative, but you know, trying to counter where and where you could. Um, who, who would you say would be, um, or, or what areas of, of the team would you be looking to target? Well, if, if you take a look at the main difference between the Albion this season and last year, is that this year we have scored a huge proportion of our goals from set pieces. Um, and part of the reason for that is that Shane Duffy has proven to be either goal scorer or goal maker on regular occasions. He's managed to get free of his marker and, and cause chaos in, in the opposition, uh, in the opposition penalty area. So I think that's what we will be aiming for. Uh, we will have to work harder than ever before to, to, to get any progress against Liverpool. Um, and we'll also have to defend better at uh, set pieces as well compared to uh, how we did at the Amex last season, where again you you, you started off the game, you, you started off and you scored from a corner straight away, um, and, and that really sort of set set the set the seal for the rest of the match. Um, I, I I think I'm not a in fans is that if if you offered us a point now, we we'd snap your hand off. Um, we 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 don't have the the strength in depth and we, we don't have the speed um that Liverpool have and that's that's the scariest thing from our point of view we, you know I, I, I watched the match at uh, at the Etihad last Thursday along with you know practically everybody I know who who turned on for that and and it was an absolutely amazing game of football and Liverpool were you know was it 1.2 centimeters away from <laughs> yeah. a, a point and and, that, and that's the way to think of it but the, they were clearly the two best sides in the land by a street um, from from the way that they both played, uh, so it, it, it's it's a it's a really tough match for us. But we'll you know we we go into it with with a bit of hope on on the back of a, a, a decent run of form. But it's it's hope rather than expectation. And before I come to you, sort for a prediction for the weekend, then I mean uh, I just want to ask you then just to I guess follow up a little bit a little bit on what you were saying there. I mean I mean I mean of what you have seen of Liverpool so far this season. Uh, I mean, what struck you the most? I mean, you mentioned sort of the sort of the really apparent changes that um, seem to be much much tighter at the back, and then really that seems to be the the foundation upon which we've, we've been able to mount this this title charge at the moment. Um, uh, has there been anybody in particular that stood out to you in that? Well, yes, certainly. But Virgil Van Dijk, uh, even at seventy five million pounds, is a bargain. Uh, I know Glenn Murray has said that. Yeah, you know, Glenn Murray's thirty five. He's Played in all four divisions. He's been been around a long time. He says, with, without any hesitation, that Van Dijk is the best defender he's played against in his career. Um, and I think that's the difference. Last year, I think for Liverpool to win a match, you had to probably score three goals to guarantee victory. This year, you can you can play badly and win one nil. And 
that to be to be champions that's what you have to be able to do you know just just scrape scruffy victories um and have the confidence that you've got a defense which is watertight and liverpool's defense is is better than any in the land i, I still think you need another center half alongside van van dyke to to become yeah truly excellent and 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 be able to push on in europe uh, but domestically, I think uh, it's uh, it's it's a superb defence, and and that's that has been the difference. Because at the start of the season, I, I as you know, I work in Liverpool and I, and I share an office with a uh, a Liverpool season ticket holder. And I, you know, we, we're always talking on a Monday about the, the matches at the weekend, and on a number of occasions, he's come and he said, "Well, we weren't very good, but it's it's three points." Whereas last season you weren't very good, and it was a draw. You were you were drawing against the likes at home to to Burnley and so on. This year, you're beating them. Yeah, it does seem to be the way. It seems that we've we've, we've been able to be more than the sum of our parts at times, even when the attack hasn't clicked. I mean, in terms of the attack, I mean, there's, I guess, the threats that you would be looking at this week on, um, looking at this weekend rather are they're they're very well known, aren't they? Yes. Salah, Mane, yeah. Firmino. Um, but is there is, is there a particular one of those three or, or or anybody from the midfield that you've you, you've seen this season and thought, okay, actually, they're the one who seems to be you know, ticking at the sort of the highest form at the moment because it, it it started off fairly fairly inconsistently and uh, it seems to be warming up. I mean, obviously we lost to City, but I thought actually it's probably the strongest performance from from, from quite a few of those in in attack that I've seen for a while. Um, just seem to be fine margins. Yep. Well, the player that scares me the most in Liverpool's team, and and he 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 does blow a bit hot and cold, is is Mane. Um, his his pace is truly scary. Um, the ball that he put through for Mo Salah for that for that chance that nearly went in uh, at the Etihad was one of the best passes of the season. Yeah, it, it was slide roll inch perfect, and I felt no credit for it. Um, so if he is running at one of our central defenders, Lewis Duncan and uh, Shane Duffy are excellent old school defenders yeah, if, if you put 20 balls into the box they will head 20 balls out of the box but if you're running at them at pace uh, I, I think as as the likes of Mane can do then I, I think we, we are going to have problems so he he's the player that, that scares me um, and the best ball that I've seen all season was was at Anfield when, when Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, played a 60 yard crossfield ball which managed <laughs> to cut out four of our players and I just went Wow, yeah, that is that is exceptional. Um, so it's it's the ability of the the fullbacks to provide um, a supply line um, to that front three, which I think is also very impressive. I think that the weakness in Liverpool, is, yeah, if, if it is a weakness, who's going to play alongside Van Dijk? Who's going to be the exceptional? I appreciate that Joe Gomez is 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 injured, and he's he's the bright white hope uh, of sort of the uh, of of the fan base. You know, a, a player coming through. Effectively, from you know, I appreciate he came from Charlton, didn't he? Um, but and, and I know that we were linked with him a season ago. Uh, so I think he he's going to be sort of the long term partner for Van Dyke. Uh, perhaps central midfield is a little bit uncertain. You know, it, it's solid rather than spectacular. Um, but if when when Oxley Chamberlain comes back, if he's if he's back this season. I think he'll make positive there for you though. ZZ and he's a player, especially when he doesn't have any defensive responsibilities, which he doesn't have at Liverpool, who can, can un, unlock doors. You know, he, he's your, he, he's he's the man for the, those superb passes through to the front three, 
which can make a difference. Uh, I'd imagine if he's, he's coming play off the bench this weekend. Actually, yeah, I'd imagine he will. He will start. He, he, he's he's not been starting the games against the top six um, top six opposition at the moment. Just, yeah, I, I think it leaves us a little bit too open. Um, yeah, despite him sort of trying his best to do. Uh, to get involved in the pressing, I mean, it's it, it, it's not it's just not his game, is it? Not necessarily his game, and actually, he's just. I think the one thing that has shocked me about him, actually, and perhaps it's wrong, but it's 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 it, it shocked me. But he's he's a far more intelligent player than I think he's given credit for at times. I mean, there's there, there's been times where he's come off the bench and, and had huge impact, obviously, against yeah. against Man United. But I think when you hear him talking about it, he says, "Well, actually, I, I saw the spaces, and I thought, well, I can come on, occupy those, and and." Uh, Make a nuisance of myself, and then he's done it as well. So yeah, I, I I'd expect to see him uh, this weekend, actually alongside um, Van Dyke this weekend. Actually, I think we 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 may see the return of uh, Joel Matip as well. It seems to be positive okay. on, on on that front. So yeah, I think Dejan yeah didn't really earn himself many many more admirers after that City no. game as well. Um, <laughs> so I think he's going to be uh, taking a little bit of time out of the team. I think for a little while, but um, yeah, it should certainly be an interesting. Um, Interesting contest. Uh, contest. I, I do wonder whether there's going to be um, a good bit of rotation. I mean, I expect to see a lot tonight in the FA Cup, um, and then I think that will probably uh, inform who's going to be starting this weekend. I think Van Dyke will finally get a rest. Allison will yeah. finally get a rest, and, and and a few others as well. But um, anyway, Kieran, I mean, thanks so much for all the insight there on Brighton and sort of your your hopes for the season ahead. I mean. If I was to put you on the spot then and ask you for a prediction, I mean, I'm sure your Liverpool mate at work would like you to hear what your, what your prediction would be as well. But is it, is it fair to say that a draw, you, you'd buy a hand off for that right now? And you're... Yeah, that, that, that's what my heart's saying. My, my head says, I think it'll be 3-0 to Liverpool. 3-0, you think? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's see. I mean, I, I mean, you're going to be winning many friends there as well, I think, because I think, I think plenty of people are probably listening to this after, after the City defeat. Just listen. Looking for an instant response and things like that, but um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, thanks so much for all that insight, Kieran. I mean, I mean, I, I'd, I'd certainly wish you all the best for the season ahead as well. Um, aside from this weekend, of course. But yeah. I, oh, absolutely. I think, um, and, we, and we've still got Man- we've still got Manchester City to play at home, so absolutely. I'm sure you'd be rooting for us at that match if you fancy it. You know, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you fancy it. Yeah. I mean, if if, if any of your team fancy hitting what. Uh, Townsend did in sort of scoring a, a career worldie. Yes. I mean, that would be... <laughs> that was a goal, yeah. That would be ideal. But uh, anyway, thanks so much and um, uh, hopefully get you back on next season. I hope... To, well, it'd be great if we're there. It's it's looking promising, but uh, yeah, the, the nature of football fandom is that we're, we're still looking down rather than up. No, I think that, that will be the way, but I'm sure Hewton's going to be very focused on the, securing your... So, safety in in the division for another year ahead but uh, yeah certainly wish you all the best but uh, we'll be back to speak all things Liverpool and, and just how the Reds are going to respond from that uh, first defeat of the season away to away to Man City Talking Liverpool Sam I mean it was bound to happen eventually I think at, at least in, in relation to the unbeaten run um, many of us had eyed this game up for a very long time against City uh, a tough pill to swallow especially because it was a, a game really in the end of such fine margins um, much has been made of, I guess, of, of the result. Plenty of narratives being re- re- you know, desperate people, people desperate to sort of re- rewrite the narratives. But I just want to get your thoughts on the performance against City. And do you think, despite of the loss, um, there's much to be positive about? Definitely. Um, I think, I think the manner of how Man City started the match 
has kind of had a massive effect on how people are viewing the game itself. And, you know, they seem to come out of the blocks pretty quickly. And, you know, to the to the naked eye, it might have looked like Liverpool were struggling early on. But to be fair, I don't think they carved out a single chance in that early on slot. And then after that, I thought that we were, that it was pretty much a 50-50 game. You know, even though the narrative out there is they kind of give us a, a bit of a spanking or um, they come out worthy winners. But at the end of the day, if you look at it, we were, what was it? 11 millimetres away from taking the lead in that game. And in my opinion, if we take the lead in that game, the very worst that we leave that game with is, is a point. So, um, you know, and we had a few chances in the game. It's just, it's came down to fine margins, you know. Um, poor defending by Lovren, you know, paired with excellent finishing from Aguero. Um, and, and the width of a post being our enemy, maybe, for, for, for Mane's shot. And, and a couple other chances uh, missed late on. Um, excellent save again by Edison from Salah's uh, effort. So it, it was just one of those games where we, we've had a bit of the rub of the green in those really tight games this season so far. And I just thought our luck completely ran out in this game. And just everything went in City's favour. But, uh, you know, I think there's, there's plenty of positives to take out of that performance. I think statistically, it, it was pretty much a coin toss who was going to win that game and I think a, a draw game would have been more uh, more than a fair result in that one but that's the thing with these really really big matches like this as you said yourself it comes down to the fine margins and their finishing was just that little bit better on the day yeah no of course I think these these games are always good at, at sort of being magnifying glasses really for you know, if, you, if you aspire to be at this elite level you, you are going to have to uh, face up to the fact that you know, every player is going to be scrutinised, um, every aspect of you and the team is, is, is going to be scrutinised. And, and I think you found there were a couple of things that came wanting, um, or you know, were found wanting rather. And that, you know, Lovren, we know he, he's not going to be the, and he's not the calibre of defender who was alongside him. I thought Van Dijk was pretty imperious for the first half. Um, and you mentioned, of course, the, the, the finishing for both City goals, exceptional finishing, but, you know, the game state to actually allow those chances to happen. Uh, unfortunately, once again, he's he's at the scene of the crime. And then, yeah, was it eleven millimeters? Then there was the you know, the shot actually going out off the post in the first place, where Sami's shot goes in. Uh, a bunch cleared off the line. weren't there there was um, the company red card as well. So it it it, it, it did certainly feel like, as you say, some of that luck that we've had plenty of. This, um, so far this season did come back against us a little bit, um, but I'm, I'm very interested in, in terms of the reaction to the game because there, there's been plenty I've seen in the media in the days following that game. Um, you know, some people say, "Oh, I, I knew Liverpool, um, I, I knew Liverpool wouldn't manage to win that game. City right back in it now." Uh, Fernandinho coming out and saying, "Like, yeah, Liverpool can't handle the pressure." Uh, Sane going like, um, "They'll have to match us now," uh, or you know. They'll have to catch us now. Um, <laughs> lots of these things that seem to sort of forget the fact, I guess, that we still have that four-point lead at the, t at the top of the league. And really now we get back to uh, what were the basics for us. Um, and, and I know Side Brundish coined the phrase, but you know, beat the dross, win the league. Um, in your opinion, Sam, is, is it just a case of you know, refocusing the guys? You know, we'll talk about the FA Cup in a second, but you know, plenty of the team were rested tonight. 
um, and just refocus them, you know, brighten them at the weekend and get back to winning ways and get back to the rhythm that we found in the in the Premier League. Yeah, totally agree. Um, as you said, the, the narrative after that game, uh, like for instance, I think Match of the Day tweeted, advantage Man City uh, after <laughs> the game. And then I just looked at the table and went, we got a four-point lead. So I'm sure we've still got the advantage. It's it's there for all to see. Um, but obviously the, the narrative they've tried to do now is, you know, Liverpool are bottlers. Uh, you know, we, we've been in winning positions p- before and let it go. And, and they're just really trying to push the fact and trying to pile the pressure on Liverpool now. And it's it's a bit bizarre because if the evidence of the first 20 games of the season was anything to go by, we're a totally different outfit now. You know, that's the first defeat we've had all season. We've had a lot of injuries during the season as well, which is something that the, the narrative doesn't seem to be backing up at all. Um, you know, they're mentioning City's injuries uh, and suspensions and things, but not even commenting on the fact that Liverpool have had an absolute bucket load of injuries themselves this season. So even despite that, you know, when we had that incredible partnership between Gomez and, and Van Dijk for so long this season and he, uh, Gomez got injured, Lovren came in and everyone, or, or Matt Dip, everyone was panicking then thinking, you know, we're, we're going to really drop off defensively. But to be fair, in general, not let's not mention the City game with, with Lovren, but uh, in general, we have still managed to keep an elite level of defending and, and not conceding goals. So, the evidence therefore suggests that after this City game, we should then continue to go on and 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 perform as we have done, because with that elite level defence, we've got an excellent chance of just continuing to pick up points at the incredible rate that we have been doing so far. So, yeah, you know, totally agree with you again. I think okay, we we just need to take a step back. It, it's a big disappointment. It was a huge opportunity for us to take. Yeah, at, at least a seven-point advantage into the second half of the season, and and give a give us that little buffer just to give us a bit of breathing space so that we don't start to twitch and, and panic. But to be honest, I think it's the the fan base that need that that seven-point buffer more than the players. You know, we're looking at a different bunch of boys now. You know, with Allison, boys like Allison and Van Dyke and the team who've just got that cool head and confidence you need to try and win a title you know I'm not panicking and you know you, you touched on Wolves there now I'm sure we're going to move on to that as well but you know that is not the important thing obviously going into the Wolves game I, I was thinking I, I don't mind going out of the FA Cup it's just it would be a major problem losing two in a row because then again the narrative is ah oh, here we go they're, they're collapsing and it's a totally different eleven being played, and and it's totally not connected whatsoever with the league form. But that's the only concern then is going into the Brighton game on the back of two defeats. Yeah, no, and I think that's it's valid to sort of have a look at that and think. I mean, winning is a fantastic habit; losing is never a good habit to get into, irrespective of what team takes the pitch or what what group of personnel and. Uh, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense to come on to the Wolves game now. Obviously, a two-one defeat um, away to Wolves, um, and pretty much. I mean, if you look at Wolves' side, they made a few changes, but pretty much it's it's it, it's it's a strong side, similar to the one that they would field in the Premier League. A few changes here and there, goalkeeper 
a couple of defensive changes and maybe in midfield giving some youngsters a bit of a chance a little bit. But generally speaking, it's their first team. And then you, you look at us making nine changes, Origi coming in, Sturridge coming in, Shaq in the front three as well, Keita, Milner, Curtis Jones giving his debut, uh, Camacho giving his debut. You have Dejan and Fabinho being played as a centre-back here. Um, Moreno uh, as left-back, and of course, um, uh, the return, I mean, the unheralded return of Simon Mignolet, probably likely, I mean, touch wood here, I mean, in terms of Alisson staying fit for the remainder of the season, but likely to be, you'd imagine, his last ever game for for the club. Um, I mean, that's a huge raft of changes there. I mean, and before we go into that, the, the result itself, I mean, I just wanted to ask you, Sam, I mean, irrespective of how we're doing this season then, I guess, but um, what's your view on the whole um, narrative surrounding this as well? I mean, both the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup and the League Cup, etc. Uh, Liverpool haven't won a trophy in 13 years. Um, they need to win a trophy. Um, and you know, Klopp will be a failure until they win a trophy. It, it's something that's often also labelled at um, Pochettino as well. And I just wonder what your what your perspective is on it, because, I mean, uh, plenty was made of the whole Liverpool uh, club that exists to win trophies. just w- wondered what your what your thoughts are, are on these cup games. Yeah, it, it's definitely the case that we do need to win a trophy, but it needs to be the right trophy. You know, I, I, Klopp has absolutely nailed it in the press conference in the last week. Um, they asked him about winning a cup, and he said, if I win the FA Cup, they'll still say, I haven't won the league for 425 years or whatever it was. He literally said that. So he, he knows that winning the FA Cup does nothing really for him or for Liverpool going forward. It doesn't mean, you know, Arsenal have been winning the FA Cup repeatedly and they're still, you know, still were unhappy with their manager and wanted him out. Man United have won the FA Cup recently, weren't happy with the manager, wanted him out. We know... It's all about the Champions League and the league. That Those cups are nice supplements if you win one of the other main ones. But if you don't win one of the main ones, it's always still going to be looked at as an unsuccessful season. I, I do get it in Liverpool's context. I think it might be useful to win any trophy just to maybe get the players in the mindset you know, of, of winning a final because we've had a bit of bad luck in finals over the last few years. And I just think it'd be nice to get that kind of monkey off our back. But generally speaking, it's all about the league this season. And it's been clear that Klopp's mind has been thinking that as well. You know, very early on, he was picking the strongest teams for the league games and then almost sacrificing the Champions League games, which seems a bit mad. But we ended up scraping through in the end. But you could see that his main focus this season is clearly the league. You know, um, I did a preview article at the start of the season looking at the, the fixture list. And it's a very, very favourable fixture list this year. A lot of things were going away, like having a home Premier League game straight after the Champions League games. Um, a, a nice run of fixtures at the start, nice run of fixtures at the end. Um, it, it, nice gap over Christmas between games. So I think we've looked at it and gone, look, this is our chance. We've got to go for it. And I think that's reflected in his, his, the teams that he's picked then in the Carabao Cup and also in this FA Cup today. And to be honest with you, I'm more than happy for us to have crashed out the FA Cup today because that's all I want is this league title. 
and I, I can't remember it the last time we had such a great chance of doing it. You know, this is a bigger chance than 13-14. You know, they, they were saying we let it slip in 13-14. In my opinion, that's a load of bullshit. We were amazing in 13-14 to even be in the conversation because I think it was about a 14-game winning streak that we had to go on to even be in with a shout. So this is actually a chance now where we are leading from the front. So I think it's something that we really need to grasp with both hands. Um, it's clear now today uh, with another centre-back injury, which again we're going to touch on later, that we don't have the squad at this moment in time still to manage all of these competitions. So for me, a few less games this season is more than welcome and it'll give us an even better chance of taking home the title. Yeah, no, totally agree, actually. I think... I- I understand the conversation around trophies and cups and it obviously being a, a wonderful thing for the club, a wonderful thing for the fans. I mean, I, I think the same thing about um, Spurs as well. But I think you, you really, nowadays, if you've got an issue with somebody making the number of changes that we made tonight or the bigger sides making this number of changes in the Premier League, it's it's very much what you, what you mentioned there with Klopp and his press conference. I mean, the way in which these clubs and managers are judged now and the the margins are so, so fine, as we've seen ourselves. I mean, the fact that we've got the record that we've got, and it's still tight, uh, and your know, sides below us have had impeccable records as well, and they're, they're fourth, they're fifth, you know, they're, they're struggling to get into that top bracket of teams in the Premier League. It just tells you, you know, how much is at stake here now, and it's fortunately we, we, we don't have a particularly big squad, and uh, this is always going to be... Uh, the case if the, if the league was going well, we, we potentially have to sacrifice this competition. So um, I, th- I think Cy Barnett has actually, actually come out and said that this game gives us six more rest days now for the Premier League. Um, and I think City have just been drawn against Burnley. So fantastic. So, so, that, so they have to go and run around uh, Burnley now for, um, I'm sure it'll be a very uh, painful night there for, for them, <laughs> irrespective of any win. Um, that you'd imagine would come from it. Arsenal got Man U. Yeah, some funny draws there, of course. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, I think it's just something we have to accept and, and, and move on with personally. Still top of the league, as you mentioned. And, uh, that's really where the focus has got to be. I mean, just before we do move on from the game, though, completely, I mean, um, I just wanted to ask you, was there anything that you did take from it and think, oh, that person's impressed? I mean, I, I didn't see all of the game, but I've, from what I've heard, um, Hoover at the back, 16-year-old centre-back coming in for Dejan, who, who's picked up an injury, and we'll talk about that. He, he impressed, and maybe Fabinho as well impressed in that uh, role as a makeshift centre-back. Yeah, I think uh, Kiana Hoover is one of the very, very few bright spots to take from this game. Um, you know, As we touched on earlier, Lovren got injured in like the fifth, sixth minute of the game. Uh, pulling up with one of his very common uh, niggly injuries that he tends to get after a while. Um, you know, we'll, we'll touch on Cybrandish's tweet shortly. Um, and so Hoover got his chance, which was really exciting. And that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to watch the game today, because I heard a lot about him and, and heard he was really promising talent. But now we actually got to see him in action. Um, you know, he looks like a 16-year-old because he is a 16-year-old, but the guy has got some serious confidence in his ability. He's a lovely footballer, um, really balanced runner, which isn't something you'd usually say for a centre-back. 
uh, really composed on the ball and not scared to, to play passes. You know, a couple of times he got caught out and, and gave the ball away, but I, I haven't seen his uh, pass percentage stats yet, but they're going to be really, really good. And he was always trying to make progressive passes forward. He, he made one exceptionally good run, actually, when he was in a bit of trouble and he, he skipped past three or four players and set Liverpool on the counter-attack and, and nearly set up a chance for Salah. So he's looking like an excellent prospect. I think he's one that uh, once he, he builds up a bit in the next couple of years, he, he'll have the physicality as well to go with his immense talent that he clearly has. But, you know, the the the, the messages were coming through to my phone flat out saying he's already better than Lovren. And ability-wise, there's absolutely no doubt about it. It's just the physicality that's going to come slowly. But he, he looks really, really exciting. Um regards to Lovren's injury, this is the thing that's concerned me at the start of the season, is Matt Dip has been known for have, picking up these little injuries. Lovren has been known for not being able to be consistently fit as well for long periods. And, and Gomez has had a couple of cruciate injuries as well. So coming into the season, I was very worried about the stability of our centre-backs. Um, and, and it's come to fruition yet again. Uh, the, the tweet I was referring to earlier with Simon was, he said, this is Lovren's seventh consecutive game. Lovren has only remained fit for six-plus consecutive games twice in his Liverpool career. So, for we, we know title wins are often built on centre-back partnerships and stability at the back. And that's just not something you can rely on. You know, that is a big concern to have one of our, well, the start of the season, he was supposed to be our main centre-back. And, and someone who can't string together 10 games in a row uh, is a big concern. So, fingers crossed, you know, that there's some positive news about Joel Matip and, um, and Gomez as well being back soon. But I'm pretty sure neither are going to be available ready for Brighton. So, as you said, Fabinho actually was one of our only other positives from the match today. I thought he played really well at, at centre-back and showed that he, he's got the ability to fill in there. And to be honest with you, not just as a stopgap, he, he's, he's, in my opinion, he'd be better than Lovren anyway. So um, I fully expect Fabinho to have to slot straight in now against Brighton with uh, Van Dijk at the back. Yeah, you do wonder what's going to happen there because, I mean, just reading some of the post-match quotes from Klopp. I mean, he mentioned Lovren's got a hamstring injury with no previous signs of it, so it, it, it does appear to come out of nowhere. But as you mentioned, with that side stat, um, <clears throat> it's a pattern, and, and, and we've seen it more and more with both him and Matip in, in not being reliable, not being consistently fit. Um, again, touching every single piece of wood, <laughs> wood I can yeah. find there in terms of Alisson and Van Dijk. I mean, they seem to be the, the, the really key partnership back there. Uh, and, and you just hope that Gomez or Matip gets fit soon. Um, Kijana Hoover, who, who you mentioned, who came in there, he actually says about him, um, it's only about how good you are, not how old. So I, I do wonder, I mean, I, I think it'd be way, 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 way too much to to drop somebody of his age into the environment of the Premier League. But um, uh, And I, I think what, what you've seen as well is, uh, even against Brighton, I think it was in the past that we saw even Ginny go into a centre back role before somebody from the youth um, ranks was sort of thrown in, sort of because um, it's, it's, it's such an unforgiving sort of set of circumstances. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine it's going to be Fab, like you mentioned, 
um, or or someone like maybe we'll see Ginny again. Um, hopefully not at centre back, but um, you'd imagine things will change around for the Brighton game. We'll come on to talk about that in a little bit, but. Just on, the, on those quotes again, I mean, it sort of touches on what we were talking about, Sam, and Klopp said, I need to make sure I say the right words. I don't want headlines. You all want this number of games. We have played them all so far and been successful. And today we lost. That's the story. You know, we can do much better in a game that suits more. They can make, uh, they can really make a difference. They did their job today and that was it. It's about rhythm and there was none. We played here a few weeks ago and we know Wolves are very strong. So, I mean... It, more or less what he's saying there is, reading between the lines is, guys, you know how difficult this is. Uh, we, we, we literally won every single game we could possibly win apart from uh, our first loss of the season against the 100-point you know, previous champions of the division. Um, cut has a little bit of slack here. Um, so I, I, I think he's very, very aware of sort of the perception of of you know, the fact that he's never really taken this competition seriously or been allowed to, I guess. But um, yeah, you do wonder what's going to happen there at centre back, I mean, just asking your your opinion on it. I mean, I, I mean, for the weekend, what would you go with? Would you go with Fabinho staying there, or does that rid the midfield of some balance? Because I think no one wants to see that uh, uh, Hendo, Ginny, and um, uh, Milner midfield um, once again. You'd, you'd imagine. Yeah, and and to just to compound the problem, Naby Keita wasn't great today either. Um, he looked really promising early on, but then as the game wore on and we, we struggled more and more, he started giving the ball away. He, he didn't have one of his better games today either, and I was really hoping he could have shone today and, and get himself back in contention. But you can kind of see why Klopp hasn't quite been ready to get him into the starting lineup yet, because he's still making these errors and, and he doesn't look 100% comfortable. But I think you know a lot of that might have been because... He was kind of on his own in the midfield today against a really hard-working uh, Wolves team. You know, Moutinho and Neves involved in there as well. Uh, really, really top midfielders against him. So I think he was a bit outnumbered on the day. So maybe it's a bit unfair. And if you do give him a bit of protection, he'd, he'd have done a lot better. But it is a concern, which then means I'm even more reluctant to want to have to move Fabinho out of that midfield. Because as you said, that that Midfield three in away matches has been atrocious for us uh, in recent times, especially. So the last thing I want to do is have to see that. But it's a case of where do you want to sacrifice? Because I don't think anyone else is going to be ready for this game. So he's going to have a toss up between Fabinho just having to go in there, which I think is the safest bet. Um, or as you said, maybe he'll go for Wijnaldum, as you know, as we know, is is very very good at his defensive duties and might be able to do with that but neither of those things are at all ideal um referring to hoover now i think it would be a bit mad to put him straight in he was excellent today but you know we're on the back of two defeats we, we need to be as solid as we possibly can and you know even though the guy's got incredible confidence and i think he probably would shine even more next to someone as good as van dyke i think it would be very unclop like to just throw him in now against Brighton. But it's not the time, is it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's really not the time. We just need to, as you said, get back on the horse now. Get the first three points under our belt after that city disappointment. And then that's completely forgotten about. And then we're back in business 
And then that's all we're talking about is then trying to extend our lead and get back into it. So for me, I think we, I can't think of any other options. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm struggling for anything apart from putting Fabinho in just for this game. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying there. And I, I, to be honest, I'm actually envisaging that we go back to a um, 4-2-3-1, maybe against, uh, against Brighton with Salah playing as an out-and-out centre-forward. And then maybe Shaq comes into that three behind him. And um, and maybe that even allows Henderson and, and Juni to play alongside each other in a two. Because I, I think one thing we have seen actually this season so far is, is when given the chance in a two, Henderson's not actually that bad. Um, he's, he's been, yeah. he seems to be completely freed once he's actually been able to have either somebody alongside him to do some of the work for him uh, and have more um, license to roam forward and, and use that high intensity running that we know he has to really harry the opposition. So I'm, I imagine Klopp's got something up his up his sleeve there. I, I, I wouldn't want to see a a, um, a Milner Hendo to there. I, I think I think. Given that Ginny's rested tonight as well, you'd imagine he comes into that team there and he's an option for us. Or, or even Keita, I think, even in spite of what you said there about the fact that we haven't seen the best of him quite clearly, clearly tons more to come from that guy. Um, I guess there's, there's no real better option than just to keep playing him into form. And uh, you know, all due respect to Brighton, I mean, they'd expect to lose this game or, or, or expect to struggle. Uh, could be quite a nice one for Keita to... You know, Keep getting that rhythm. Keeps trying to find his best football. Maybe. Um, I, I mean, would you imagine that we are going to revert back to that four-two-three-one that we've seen against most of the sides uh, beneath us? It it's really difficult to say. Um, and sorry, I, I I I said most of the sides beneath us. I've, I've just realised we're we're in the rare situation of being top of the league, so that everybody is beneath <laughs> us. But you you know well, what I mean. Well, yeah, but. It's it's so we're not used to this, Harry. So I can totally forgive you saying that. And it's, <laughs> it's bloody brilliant, and I think more people need to be saying how bloody brilliant this season has been so far. A lot of people, the amount of doom and gloom from one league defeat in what is it, twenty one games now, twenty games, twenty one, um, unbelievable that that there's any negativity out there. You know, let's let's make you know, no bones about it. Man City are an excellent team, and we were in my opinion, pretty damn unlucky to lose the game on the day. So, as you said, we're in a cracking position. We should be buzzing and we should be going into this Brighton game with nothing but confidence. This Wolves game means nothing, as we know. We put out a shadow side in this game um, and we move on to the next and we fully expect now to get back on the horse and then get the win. And as you said, yeah, I think maybe that would be the option is to go for that uh, 4 2 3 one uh, formation, maybe that'll be the way around it to help us through it. Um, and as you said, Hendo seems to do a better job when he's maybe not. I hate it when he's dropping really deep and trying to come in between the centre backs and and just playing the pointless side to side balls. I think he's much more positive when he's trying to run forward. So, as you said, fingers crossed that's what'll happen. And uh, you know maybe we'll have to ask Shakiri to go again. You know he was very quiet today. Uh, but he did have one excellent free kick effort come off the bar with an excellent save from uh, um, Ruddy as well. So um, he, he's someone I'd like to see, but maybe he's someone after playing the full game today that'll be um, that'll be on the bench for the Brighton game. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what sort of role he has. I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned playing the full game today. 
did have a, uh, I thought you could see of, of the players there. He he was trying to make things happen, but it, it it did seem to be just a really really disjointed performance. And I guess you can only expect that when they when they do have such a lack of rhythm. But in terms of this weekend's game, then I mean, um, looking at the fixture, looking at Brighton away, and uh, the previous game against Brighton at Anfield, quite a tight game actually. There was only one error by Basuma that really gave us the option uh, for Salah to score that goal from counter pressing that we managed to. Great. Other than that, pretty tight game. We know what to expect, really, with Chris Hutton's sides. They are well-drilled defensive sides. But um, uh, would you be expecting it to be a back-to-business uh, win this weekend? I'd I'd like to think so. You know, I am a bit nervous now, just because of you. You saw it with Man City when you get that first defeat. It can snowball on occasion, and I'd like to think that this Liverpool team is made of stronger stuff than that and won't let that kind of psychology affect us and let the pressure get to us. We've, we've shown nothing but resilience this season so far. We've had some really tight games that we've always come out on top of because we've got those characters in the team now that we didn't once have. So I'd like to think that we're going to go into this game now completely forgetting about the FA Cup, completely forgetting about that unfortunate defeat against City and just expecting to go back to business against Brighton. So, personally speaking, I fully expect us now. We've had the front front three have pretty much had a complete rest today. They brought Sal and Firmino on for the last 20, so they'll be 100% fresh, really, for, for Saturday. So, I expect us to go into the game and I expect us to win. And if I was to put you on the spot there, Sam, and ask you for a score prediction, what would you uh, what would you go for? Um, I'm going to go for a confidence-boosting 3-0 victory for the Reds. Um, clean sheet and a few goals will blow the cobwebs away. And I think that Man City game will be completely forgotten about come 90 minutes. Yeah, clean sheet would be very welcome, I think. And um, uh, I think one thing that is sort of getting left behind a little bit is that Bobby looks more himself in recent weeks than he, than he has done for the majority of the season. Salah's still the razor-sharp Salah, we know he is, and Mane uh, certainly isn't going anywhere either. So actually, despite that result, a, a, a very tight loss, um, this is a team that was banging form, so I'd imagine it would be relishing the opportunity to you know, get back on the saddle, get those three points, as you mentioned, and re-establish ourselves at the top of the league. Um, so yeah, I think for, for me as well, I'd actually be going for... Um, I, th- I think a 2 0 this time, just a, 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 a run of the mill 2 0, because I think you, know, you do have to respect that Chris Hewson does set his sides up quite well, actually. Uh, so it could be a tighter affair. I mean, I, I'd love to be proved wrong <laughs> and for us to respond in the, in the way you, you'd want champions to, you know, to respond, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, a, to a setback like that, to come back roaring back and, 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 and put, put in a performance that sort of rewrites that narrative once again, I guess, a little bit. But um, anyway, Sam, thank you so much for sort of coming on. And I mean, you're, you're the first uh, fan who's had to come on this season and talk about a defeat with me prior to uh, another Premier League game, such as the um, fantastic season that, that we've had so far. Um, uh, but just before we uh, before we go, I just wanted to ask you if you had anything that you wanted to, to plug on your side. Uh, no, I've had a little break uh, over the Christmas period. So this is the first thing I've done now for a few weeks. Uh, 
But uh, if you want to have a chat on Twitter at all, my Twitter handle is at Sambo Evans. So give me a follow. Absolutely. And uh, I'd also be remiss if I didn't tell you guys that uh, I mean, 2019's rolled around, but that doesn't mean that Anfield Index Pro has gone anywhere whatsoever. Uh, you have plenty of the same analysis that you'd be, uh, you, you've come to expect from the guys. I mean, the under pressure following the City loss, really, really good. Uh, pod to listen to to sort of give you the grounding, give you the context of just how well we're currently performing and how there shouldn't be any other reaction to that result. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a, another very good pod from Jan Molby coming up shortly as well. Uh, and Sir Kenny Dalglish as well, just to get their thoughts on anything in the coming uh, days and weeks. So uh, be sure to subscribe to that and uh, get in on all that uh, really solid content that, that, that we're putting out there on our field index pro. But Anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening once again. Um, and uh, let's hope again that we're talking with each other next week after a positive result, uh, back to three points in the league and uh, yeah, reasserting ourselves at the top of the league as the, the Premier League leaders. So thanks very much, to, uh, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back again next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.